0: Hello, this is Jordan DiVergilio with
1: Two Angles on Angling. And this is Ryan Shea with Two Angles on Angling as well, man. Happy to be starting this podcast with Jordan. Um, Each one of these podcasts is pretty much going to go down like this. The first 10 minutes is going to be like five minutes coming from Jordan and five minutes coming from me about what we saw in the water this past week. It's just a quick fishing update. Okay, following that, we'll go into some sort of conversation or topic for the day. Okay, so the topic that we're going to discuss today are some of the factors that we consider before we go out on the water. Like, in other words, like if I wake up and I look at the forecast or I'm looking at the week's forecast, how do I know which days are going to be worth fishing? Like where we'll catch enough fish to be entertained. We'll get into that in a little bit. So, since I was the only one lucky enough to be able to fish this last week, I can kind of cover, you know, what I saw. In the end, I mean, the weather was super miserable. I mean, it was in single digits a lot. It snowed, you know, a handful of times, and the wind blew. So, we didn't have water that was even close to being good enough to fish until, uh, like, Friday late, maybe, maybe. But then Saturday, it was single digits outside, and we had a northeast wind, so we couldn't really fish Saturday. But today was good. You know, today, we it's like the, the first time in, seem, it seems like well over a month, that we had good enough water clarity, and we'll talk about that later on, but good enough water clarity to be worthwhile to fish. And it was really cold this morning, and the biggest problem we had was gear that was freezing. But... You know, we caught fish. There are a lot of big ones, too. So there's, there's, there's a lot of fish in there, and as the water clears up, I think it's going to get really good. So uh, for next week, uh, I mean, it's dicey. It's like every day it's, it's a play-by-play, and, and the, the forecast keeps changing. I'll just say this, that we're supposed to get hit with, like, over a foot of snow here tonight into tomorrow morning. I don't know what that's going to do to the water. Probably nothing, because the uh, all the tribs are locked up; they're frozen solid. So it's not like it's going to like wash something out. Yeah. So if anything, it'll drop the water temperature, but and there'll be some runoff from it. But it's not like it's going to screw the system up. The biggest problem that we're going to have this upcoming week is going to be wind. You know, there's a handful of days where you know gusts are going to be in the twenties and thirties and even forties. We just got to hope that. That doesn't mess the water up. I mean, as long as we continue to have strong north winds or east winds, the system is gonna like the water color is gonna be in shape for a little while. So I just but all my clients that are on the books for next week, it'll be you know a daily call to to figure out what's going on. So, but the good news is is the steelhead are there. They're definitely chewing today and you know it's i think we the the best is yet to come throughout the winter so all right um next topic or that's so that's the end of the report so if that's all you want to listen to is jordan didn't fish so he didn't get to have Yeah, to, I didn't have any questions. input yeah. But uh don't one especially once we get closer to the spring, you know, both of us are going to be going back and forth a lot on the report side. Yeah. So um yeah. And then one quick note too, there, there's going to be weeks where like Jordan goes away on and competes in tournaments in different places. Yep. And I go away on, you know, all the different trips that I, that I go on and those weeks may be bye weeks for us, or we may figure out ways while we're doing those to be able to exchange stuff. But like, like I'm going to Guyana at the end of the month and I'll be completely off the grid for two and some change weeks. So we're going to do our best to kind of stay in a rhythm between now and then, and then you know, when I'm out of town, we can figure out ways to to get better at it. So Yep.
0: And same with me. <clears throat> I'm going down to Virginia uh, next month as well. So I'll be down there bass fishing. So get a little data from there and we'll have a, an episode there. So we'll definitely be having
1: a good discussion on that one. Cool. Cool. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the, the topic or discussion for, sure. for the day. The, uh, what do you think about, so just like I, I teed it up at the beginning, like if you're looking at a week forecast and you're trying to figure out the days that you're going to go out. I mean, everybody wants to go out every day, dude. I, yeah. you know, I, I get that. But if, if you have a limited number of days, let's say you have to take days off of work and you look at a week, like what, what are you looking at? What do you think going to prevail for you or make it worthwhile to get out? So for me personally, I can tell
0: you a few things that will definitely make me not want to go out. Um, Wind is a huge, huge, huge factor for me, Uh, whether I'm fishing the, you know, the river, Erie, especially Erie, or even going out to the Finger Lakes at all, or any, you know, large mouth body that I'm hitting up. Uh, If it's, if it's blowing too hard, it's, it's just... It's gonna be difficult to even fish effectively for me at least I don't have a spot lock or anything so I'm blowing around all the time so it gets a little difficult there um and then if it's a consistent wind then you do gotta worry about what what's happening to the water um some some days you know uh if it's just gonna be a windy day you can get out and you can tuck away from it but you know sometimes uh hard to avoid so that's gonna be a huge thing for me that I I might, you know, not be going out based on how the wind is that day or especially how it's been for the week prior. Yeah, man. I,
1: I think uh, what's, what's, what I think is interesting about where if you live in the Great Lakes region in general or if you border the Great Lakes is that like the only thing to compare it to is what the saltwater guys have to deal with or the guys down in the Keys have to deal with, for example. You know, like you're just when you're out in the lake, you're fully exposed. I mean, they're huge bodies of water. Like you're, you're not hiding from it out there. You know, so if you get, or if we get big, like it, so our side of the lake, and it's different. No matter where you live on the Great Lakes, there's there's different winds that are, you know, advantageous or not. But like if we get strong west or like southwest winds, I mean, when I say strong, I'm talking. You know, sustained in the teens and gusts into the twenties, like that's gonna kick up big waves, like four yeah. fours and fives. You know, if it starts getting to the forty mile an hour gust range, you're getting sevens, eights, nines, yeah. like ten foot waves. You know, and th- that just gets too crazy to get out in. But yeah, you know, the one thing that I found though, wind wise though, if you can, <clears throat> I don't notice the bass tournament guys do this as often, but I I find that when it gets real churned up out there in late summer um you know i'm talking like threes with the occasional four foot wave and instead of spot locking just doing long drifts with the waves um now i use live bait doing this but i've done it with a ned on a three-way rig and and caught fish that way too but i think like when the when there's there's like a there's a threshold there it's like threes and fours if there's threes and fours out there and you just coast and let the waves pull you. And I mean, if you were going to do it tournament wise, I'd use like a three-way swivel and a, a longer leader with an, like a, a nut. It would have to be like a, a Z-Man head or a, one that floats. Yeah. That way you stay up off the bottom. Yeah. And when it, especially when the water's got a little stain and the waves are going good, like you can just drag the bottom and hammer. Just letting the waves take you and and do super long drifts, but it, like that's kind of the threshold for the wind, and it, it's very similar on uh, on Lake Ontario.
0: You oh, know? for like, sure.
1: But the opposite wind directions, yep. though, like north winds and east winds on Lake Ontario are crazy. Yeah, that turns up big stuff. But if we have north winds and east winds on Erie, the land shelters you from those winds. Exactly. So you know, it, it's it's actually fun to fish in them because you get nice long drifts and. And that's mm. another,
0: you, you make a good point there too, though, is you have your choice then too, uh, especially fishing locally. Like if yeah. you, you look at the wind and you're like, oh, it's not going to work up on Erie or uh, down on Erie.
1: Let's go up to
0: uh, fish the lower, you know, it's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, it, and it's like, you know, I do this sometimes to clients in, uh, in the spring, only in the spring. Yeah, every once in a while I'll do it in the fall too. Where I'll go, uh, I'll start the day fishing Lake Ontario, and I might end up in the Upper Niagara or Lake Erie. You know, so I'll fish like a half day, take the boat out, move to the upper. Cause I mean, you, shit, you and I live here. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like it's it's out of my way. I no, drive, yeah, definitely know, it's, close it's, it's, to it's right the upper. Up. So if I'm fishing the Lower Niagara or Lake Ontario, I, I'm if I wanted to fish the Upper. It's like driving back to my house. Yeah, you know, so it's... you got pass it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. The the Olive View launch is right there, Griffin Park launch. Yep. You know the uh, Nyawanda launch. It's all yep. right there. So, so That's wind. Super accessible. What uh, other than wind? What What else do you think about? <clears throat> so, for me,
0: I'm putting the boat away usually in in, in the late fall so I'm going to be more uh, walking streams if anything another huge you know so walking streams but this also applies you know if you're Ryan out here on the boat is temperature and I will also add in snowfall hmm. because you know that there's there's the days when you are like all stoked you want to go walk in and then you get there, and the whole thing's almost frozen over, so gotta keep an eye on that. Keep checking because that's the last thing you want to do is go out, and then have the whole the whole trip get squashed due to uh, thick ice and all of that, yeah. or even get accessibility to some of these places with you know that much snow. So that's for me another huge factor, um, and I can imagine uh, being out on the boat. That's got to play a yeah. lot as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I've definitely gone out, I'm sure, I think some of your buddies have done this recently too, like, I, but I've gone out on Erie recently, where like the high was in the low teens, and absolutely hammered bass, which is, was crazy. So there's like, I'll go out when it's real cold, as long as there's next to no wind, and the sun is out like this morning, for example, when I woke up, it was below zero. And then it was like, by the time like 7am rolled around, it finally got above, it was like three degrees. But then when the sun got up by late day, de- like, I don't know, like two or three o'clock, yeah. it was 28 degrees outside yeah. and it felt super warm. Yeah. As long as the sun was hitting you, you like, you, you feel warm. And like so, so then I'll go out when it's real cold. But if it's you know in the teens and below and overcast and like a north wind blowing nah yeah i mean it yeah. like it, it just hurts like it it hurts it had no
0: sense being miserable a long right. time yeah
1: it, it it just hurts and then you also like which i, I dealt with today a lot was uh mechanical issues you know, oh, not for not necessarily, sure. like in, with my boat like my rod lockers and stuff will free sh- yep. will free shut and yep. There's all that, but, like, you know, it'll take a while for the boat to piss in the morning. Even if I drain it at the end of the day, like, it'll still, because it just gets so cold. Yeah. The moisture just, it forms in there. I don't know, I don't know much about engines. All I know is it was a problem today. And then, but the the, the biggest issue is, uh, is your reels. Like, oh, yeah. Because your sure. line gets frozen to your reel. Yep. And then ice forms in the guides, which anybody who's fished in cold weather has dealt with that before, but like, you know, your braid will freeze to your reel. It just gets super, super sticky. And and then the hole in your reel where your line leaves the spool on a bait caster, like that, that'll ice will build up inside that. It's Yeah, there's all kinds of problems. I mean, we lost fish today because of that, but Mm. I mean, whatever, we caught fish, so it's it's all good. But the, like... Yeah. So that's, but is even in the summertime, like the nice thing about going out into Lake Erie, like there isn't a day around here where I would ever say that it's too hot to go out, you know, yeah. like because the water temperatures, you know, rarely breaks out of the upper seventies. Yeah. So if you go out, good you point. got a good, cool, cool layer on top of the, uh, the water. And then like a lot of people around here uh, that aren't from here don't understand this, but the Niagara River like really doesn't freeze. There may have been a time where it it, it froze, you know, here and there, but since I've been alive, it it, it hasn't frozen. Um, there might be like points where there's like a ton of shelf ice builds and there, but they'll all, there would always be a channel down the center. But I've never, since I've been alive and seen it, there, there's been limited amounts of like huge shelf ice sheets yeah. like the only time that the river ever freezes is uh it doesn't freeze but it'll fill with ice when lake erie gets iced up like if there's you know 70 percent plus ice coverage on lake erie and a big windstorm kicks up this usually happens in like february or march yeah um, it'll break that ice up push it over the ice boom that blocks the ice from going to the river but it, it with a big enough wind it just blows it right over it and then it all flows downstream and it'll fill the river up bank to bank but the river's always moving man so eventually it just goes downstream that'll form another uh full like huge ice bridge underneath niagara falls but then that ice bridge will break sometimes too and fill up the lower niagara so that's usually like what we have to deal with in February and March. Like that'll be a problem. May even early April sometimes. It just depends on how much ice happens, but
0: yeah, and I mean, especially on the river there. That's a much larger quantity of ice to be messing yeah. with than on a, you know walking on a trib and there's you know some ice floating. But... Yeah,
1: I mean the problem like the the when ice is flowing downstream, man, you can't get good drifts. Yeah. Oh. You know, like ice grabs your line constantly. Like I'm talking a lot of ice, not just a sporadic piece of ice here yeah. and there, but when there's a huge ice floe, it's not worth going out.
0: No, for sure. Yeah, it's more just annoying at that point and can't get a good good drift.
1: Yeah, the, the other thing that uh <clears throat> that I think about a lot is uh is water color. Right? It, like in Let's say, like, once the water temperature starts to get into the 50s and above, now that I think about it, probably the 60s, like, low 60s and above, you never really have to worry about it. Yeah. Because even after a big wind day, the water will be marginally stained. It's yeah, just very true. That water's <clears throat> so warm, it just doesn't hold the sediment. There's weeds by that point. Yeah you know, holding the bottom down a little bit better, I mean, but when it starts dropping into the, you know, into the upper fifties or so, and the, which is usually the fall, and it, all the way through the, you know, it'll get into the fifties again, maybe by late April. No, no, it just depends on the year. It depends Probably. on the year. Yeah. yeah. It's been kind of wacky lately. But yeah, so it, but when it starts getting cold like that, it, watercolor becomes a serious problem. You know, like I think I mentioned at the, the beginning of this that the last time that we had water clear enough to fish it was like we had a small window before New Year's, but it was even marginal then. Um, like when I, when I think about taking people out fishing lower Niagara for steelhead lake trout, brown trout, whatever, um, the optimal fringe is like three feet of viz. Which basically, if you look in the water, if you can see your propeller or in the, the like your skag, mm-hmm. if you can see that clearly. Yeah. That's about three feet of visibility. Right. <clears throat> so if you can't see that or, you know, if you can't see your baits as you're dropping down and yeah. estimate. Three Measure out, Yeah, exactly. You're, uh, you're just not going to catch fish. You'll catch them very sporadically, but it's interesting. I think that uh, uh, Matt Ublonsky said to me that that watercolor is a ten fish watercolor. Now he didn't say this today, but he he, he equated a watercolor to the amount of fish that can be caught. So assuming that you have good sticks on on the boat, yeah, yeah, um, and so the clearer the water gets, I mean you're always fishing deep stuff. So I mean you don't want it like it it never gets. Gin, not never, it rarely, like maybe a couple of days, usually in late March, only in years where there's ice cover, yeah. does it get super clear in Devil's Hole. Yeah. It just, okay. it, it it's rarely more than, you know, five feet of visibility, you know, just because there's so much turbidity in there, yeah, you know, the rapids and everything, stuff there's off. so much oxygen in that water. Um, But if you got three feet, you're going to catch fish. Three feet is like you're gonna hammer and it just got to like you know barely three feet this morning that's the first time it's been that clear since early December yeah, yeah. for the
0: last what month now it's been snow yeah. rain and then Wind. it all melts and then it's been warm snow rain it's just been all all over. the factors that we've been talking Wind, about high <laughs> high winds yeah
1: yeah they're, they've all been hitting hard this all been last in, month in, yeah in play for a while you know, it it makes people. You know, the 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 issue is is that it, it's not. This is, you know, at least since I've started guiding, this is a particularly rough winter. You know, but that could just turn on a dime too. You know, there it could be where we just hit this long period of stability, which usually happens in February. Yeah, cuz even uh, if
0: we have the snow at that point, it's it's not usually snowing more. It's pretty consistent temp, you yeah. know.
1: It's usually just it's it's cold. But the cool thing about this year is, you know, it because nobody's been able to fish, there are three boats out today. Yeah. You know, like and people I think were pretty deterred by those temperatures and I I get it. Um but once the water starts staying consistently clear, I mean nobody's been fishing to these fish. You yeah. know. And they're there, they're, 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 definitely there. So the clearer that water gets and the more time goes by, it's just going to keep getting better and better. But yeah. I mean, this, this winter is like a, a perfect gauge for when you think of, of like water temperature, air temperature, water clarity, wind, like all that stuff is like, it's why you got to study it yeah you know it's it's why you got to pay attention to it
0: for sure and just <clears throat> uh even like having a log of it from years past or things like that so that you can look to it when you're you're questioning yourself like has it always been like you know this time of year around and then you can look at the log and be like well yeah this is
1: yeah
0: or or it's super out of whack and you know kind of get a, a better gauge there as well
1: yeah yeah but uh my log is, you know, because I record all every day that I go out, and uh you know, like sometimes I'll include numbers, but most of the time I don't. I'll just talk. I'll I'll comment on the pattern that I, that I saw that day. You know, sometimes I'll record water temperatures. Usually, when I take note that it's gotten to a certain point, you know, like because bass have a certain, you know, they have a zone that they like to play in. Yeah. You know. All the trout have their comfort zones. Kings do. Um, But, yeah, I meant to ask you, back to the the water clarity thing, have you been able to catch bass smallmouth locally, routinely in the mud? Like, if you have a foot of viz, let's call it a foot of viz, not like super mud. So the last time
0: I can remember going out when it was that muddy on the upper... I think I caught two bass, maybe three, and we were out like four hours, and it was just it was so 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 much chocolate milk everywhere you just couldn't couldn't see shit, so, we we packed up and left. I know had I dedicated more time, maybe, I could have started catching a few more once I started you know getting onto exactly where they were sitting because I'm you know. When it was that that dirty, I doubt that they're moving around that much. They're hunkering down. Yeah, just sitting but, so there. What were you using? So those two fish one came on an Alabama rig. And then another one was on a Ned Rig. Hmm. And the the Ned rig, like dropped it in the water, disappeared like instantly. It was like it was dark water. And I think it the Ned rig was just a hundred percent like right place, right time, like yeah. just dragged it through the right area. And it, it, you know, it was in an area that's historically good. So like I had the confidence that they were there. And then the Alabama rig, I was just, I cast it. out, was winding it. I I was trying to get it as close to bottom without snagging. Cause I'm not trying to lose $20 <laughs> yeah, plus no, no. every time on the river. And I was just reeling it along all of a sudden, just one hammered it just like they do in clear water. And, uh, Got him and they weren't. They were not big fish. That's for sure. Uh, I feel like the the quality goes down a lot as well with the dirty water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. I. Uh, this year, I. I mean, for one, I fished for bass later than I ever have, um, and I guess now earlier than I ever have. But I'm gonna keep trying when those conditions line up, right. And yeah. it's worth going out there. Um, but so you got to think like most of the time when I, ded- most of the time that I dedicate to bass fishing are periods where the water will rarely be a problematic color for bass. Like I, yeah. cause, I, Cause I've caught lots of bass in two feet of visibility you know, I mean, it helps to use larger swim baits or you can even like, you know, crank baits and stick baits. Like, Yeah. but this is all like pre-spawn stuff, you know, like, cause I, like, I, I, I mean, there'll be like an occasional day in, in April and in May where it'll get, it'll get muddy there.
0: Yeah. And but... even just like connecting now with like the, the inland lakes and all the tournaments and everything. It's like, you know, June till usually October for the tournament season. Like we have you know, very good conditions most of the time. So it's very rare unless we're just yeah. getting a monsoon that you'll show up to a tournament on any of these lakes or just fun day fishing, what have you, that it's going to be completely blown out. And even still, you know, you can catch them. And t- you know, you got to be p- more patient. You got to be a little more thorough possibly than normal in areas, but it's still, you can still make it happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, the water being a problem is pretty much a fall through early spring thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, because
0: uh, yeah. that's when we're getting, you know, the most uh ice, snow, rain, yeah. all the wind, all all the conditions that we keep bringing up, yep. but...
1: And it's still, and the water colors, or yep. water temperatures cold too, so that's... <clears throat> yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, for sure, and just the... The tournaments on the inland lakes, it's a little bit more stable conditions and you can get away with, like, you can get away fishing those in a much higher wind, obviously, than you would even dare on Erie or, uh, you know, either upper or lower Ontario there. And especially with how much time you spend on those bodies of water, like, you're, you know, you super have the flow of, you know, yeah, what, you- what the weather's going to do to impact because you have to deal with, like... Even if you wanted to dedicate the rest of your time to just fishing the lower, you'd still have to know what's going on on Erie and the upper yeah. the whole time, because it's all, not many people, like, you know, not across the country, like, that's not a situation for a lot of people that they have to deal with. Right. On their bodies of water that they're, you know, right. I know down in Tennessee, they're, you know, they're all, uh, the reservoirs and everything, that's a huge factor as well, but still on this mass, you know, giant scale with the Great Lakes.
1: Yeah. I mean there's just so much water pushing through here. And the, those three factors put together, they they create all kinds of obstacles. But you, dude, you just brought something up that that got me thinking about something. The uh I always wonder why bass guys that compete in tournaments, why do you have bass boats? They they just seem like a uh a platform that doesn't lend itself well. let I, I me mean, Okay, let me put it to you. Let me be a little more precise about yeah. it. They don't seem like the right platform to use if you're competing in the Northeast. So,
0: I will give you my little take on it. I do have a bass but We have a, a shorter bass boat. It's a Triton uh, 179, so it's just under 18 foot. Um. I definitely cannot get out in big water with it, uh, which, you know, it sucks. I I can, I just, you know, it takes a lot fucking longer to get out to spots because I got to be a lot, yeah, I got to be a lot, you know, more cautious. But so I, in my mind, I think it more so has to do with like the, the origin of the bass boat because i think guys they needed these boats to fish super shallow and the traditional deep v's could not do it at the time but now like you l- look at any of these newer boats like you know if you watch uh linder's Anglin' edge or whatever ever you see the, you know that you see their boat and they're like fishing docks in in this yeah. deep v which wouldn't have been you know possible and i think that's why I think that's why a lot of bass guys stick with it. But any of the serious smallmouth guys, it seems, they kind of go more that route uh, with, you know, like a Lund-style boat. Yeah. Especially if they're dedicating time on the Great Lakes, the rivers, you know, even the guys up fishing St. Clair. Yeah. uh, You know, all of those bigger bodies, like...
1: And the reason why I I qualified that comment with uh, the Northeast is because... I guess. Well, I could see. I mean, you know, I could see the point. If you're like, if you're competing down south and like bigger reservoirs that don't get these huge waves, yeah, and you have to or cover Florida
0: and twelve foot lakes. Yeah, yeah.
1: So if you're if if the point there is that. You need to cover, like, you need to go 75 miles an hour because you're moving from spot to, I don't know how much time that actually buys people. I mean, it's, it would be awesome to go that fast, I guess. But it,
0: I can uh, definitely say, like, fishing up on Champlain uh, in the St. Lawrence, th- that is, it's everything. Yeah. Like, you know, going in my bass boat where my max is, like, f- top speed's 50 compared to when I was up at the St. Lawrence uh, fishing with... Uh, the federation. Um, uh, my boater Jesse splissy He had uh, a real nice bass boat, and we were going, uh, like seventy three. Jesus. That's Hold on! Crazy. Hold on! Against current <laughs> in the Saint Lawrence, man, and just absolutely wild. And I knew like we covered so much water and I know it wouldn't have been possible like in my boat In my boat, I would have been like, okay, I got to stick to that's, this section that's and that's
1: very fast, dude. Oh, trust
0: me. I was not like, I looked over and saw this phenomenon. Like, my eyes got all bulged and I'm like, holy shit. Well, he's dedicated. I got to handle. I mean, I, I can't say anything to him. Like, yeah. I wouldn't, I don't know personally that I'd be gunning it that fast, See, okay, but so he's from that... up, he's from up there. So he knows yeah. the St. Lawrence way better. That's a pretty dangerous body of water to just. Uh,
1: I dude, I, like hearing that. Okay, I get it for the ride, right? Like, yeah, I, I, get I wouldn't the be the, behind the wheel. I'd be
0: yeah. a brick. I
1: mean, because that 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 I mean, that sounds insane. I mean, I would love to be part of it. Yeah, I, I would never do it you know, right off the bat, like I definitely want to ride with somebody and see how it goes down. But like, just for the ride, that shit sounds awesome. Like that, 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 and another huge factor
0: with going that fast that that they have is a lot of them are, if not all of them are using the hot foot. So like you got both hands on the wheel, you're like full control. Like my, I don't have the hot foot on mine. So, you know, like, uh, I got to be mobile, with both hands there versus when you can have both hands on the wheel. Like I didn't feel like it was a dangerous ride at any point. I was, I was freaking fast, but like super stable ride and everything.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So so that, that, that part makes sense to me, but I, I, uh, I always look at the, the bass boats around here and and scratch my head. I'm like, why do you guys all have bass boats? Like it's, it's just the, the, if, if you were strictly local, Or even competing in the Northeast. Like, okay, I I get the point about the St. Lawrence. I don't know how much that dominates the tournament circuit, but I'm just talking about, like, you know, you made the point, and you're right, about, dude, when I had my Lund Pro V, I used to get in, like, two feet of water cart fishing on the fly. You, You know, like, I all the time i would just trim yeah. all the way up and then i'd go I'd, I'd pull my trolling motor up real high and i'd be in two feet of water have clients cast into a to carp I, I don't know if i could do that with the warrior but and, i'm gonna try and see what happens and but. i think the
0: other huge factor there as well with why bass guys weren't or still aren't necessarily using them especially on the largemouth bodies is Because a lot of these guys are flipping grass all day with a jig, so like they're it's you know they're moving way slower, obviously yeah. not that much uh um, yeah like all all down yeah. south
1: is good, but like anytime. time yeah, yeah I mean, so 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 the dudes that are that are around here um that are in the the different uh tournament circuits like you use yourself an exa- as an yeah. example or any of your friends like so you guys routinely travel to like the finger lakes for like where is your most distant so, place that you're going
0: depends so like my club we don't we try to keep everything within 2 hours max of a drive cuz you know like we we've got you know all all sorts of different people in the club like age wise and you know we're just you know we don't want to be wild and have to right. go drive 3 hours to do a tournament just you know that that isn't always fun uh my bigger events though like the federation uh that I I fish Those, like, you know, Champlain, uh, so, you know, that's a a bit of a hike there. St. Lawrence. uh, so And even on those most of those bodies of water, though, like a lot of these big, you know, uh, Oneida, all of those, you could get away with the deep V in most of those as well, for sure, because they are giant bodies. And, like, as a lot of people know, recently the smallmouth have been taking over uh, most of those tournaments on those lakes that are traditionally, you know, largemouth lakes. So, you know, you don't really, it does, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like if you're, cause you're sitting in 20 foot of water, drop shot, on a rock pile. Like what's it matter? What boat you're in, you know? Right. And I've been thinking like once this, uh, once we're done with this bass boat, time to upgrade, I've been thinking seriously into getting a deep V myself because yeah,
1: I, I think what, what's interesting about
0: opens things up a lot more.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, well, where I'm going is like, what's interesting about the culture of of bass guys is there is a culture, right? Like, like I I think like, uh, based on everything you said to me, um, it would make far more sense for you to fish like warriors, rangers, like the big glass rangers, um, like anything with a, a sharp V that's going to cut through waves that doesn't draft a whole hell of a lot. And that yeah. you, I mean, you're not going to go real fast, but you're going to go 50, you know, and, and, but you're going to be able to handle every single condition that you could possibly, that that's going to get thrown at you. Optimize you know? your time
0: on the water. Yeah. So way more,
1: but you know, but I, I, to your point, I think there is a, uh, a cultural aspect to it that it's got to be a bass boat. Yeah. You know, um, and so I, you know, I,
0: they're shiny I, toys, you know, Yeah, I, kinda,
1: I mean, I, I kind of get it. Like when I, again, like hearing what you're telling me, I, I look at a lot of the bass boats that are around here, especially if you're only going two, like, if your limit's two hours in your club, yeah. um, to me, that's like, okay, then why j- the strictly club participants, not anybody else, just if yeah. those guys who are just fishing that club, that's what they do. They do it yep. for fun, whatever. Like those guys have no reason to own a bass boat. Those dudes should own. Like I don't know why you guys have power poles. Like I don't like any of so, that stuff. So, so, so I look at all that and I'm like, why, why do you guys? That's just a weird platform, man. Like if yeah. you had, and I'm, like, if you if, if shit if you got the dough and you could buy Warriors or freaking or uh, Nitros or yeah. uh, or uh, Rangers, then great. Um, but if you wanted to just save yourself $50,000, like you could buy friggin' Lund Pro V's or Lumacraft competitors and they're gonna fucking cut through waves and they're super cheap and you could they don't they draft very little and they're real solid crafts. So 100% um,
0: yeah. locally, that's what I would definitely like. If you're if you if someone was like, okay, I'm only going to be fishing Erie, the upper, the lower. And Ontario, I don't want to, st- I'm not going to stray far from that. Then I would a hundred percent. Even like the Finger be- Lakes
1: though. Do you, do you, do you-
0: Some of them, like if I'm going to fish honey eye, like I think I would rather, so bringing up the power poles, defending the power poles. Hey, good, uh, no, no. I'm yeah. always curious <laughs> yeah. why guys around here so, have them. So like, when, like when I'm fishing honey peaks. eye and I'm like trying to flip docks all day, like I might be sitting in four to sometimes one foot of water at times. And the power poles are super nice because if you're going along on the trolling motor, flipping docks, then you get bit on one, you can deploy the power poles, it'll stop you. So you're not progressing forward. It's way faster than if you were trying to turn the trolling motor around and reverse it. Uh, And then you can stick on the dock and keep fishing it. So that's a huge, huge factor, I think, in the power poles. But also on the super windy days... When you're flipping grass, because like you're not gonna spot lock right. in there, you're gonna be chewing grass the whole, you know. Okay. That'll so that. This, that like that would be a huge factor too, is like uh, or say your uh, your trolling motor dies, for example, you can deploy the power poles if you need to, or you know, and I they're also a big safety thing for me in my eyes on the on the finger lakes especially. Uh, when you're in more shallow water and you're able to use them i've also had them help me on the river uh, a few times as well like when my motor dies and i'm in a shallow area like you can deploy them but if it's real windy your motor dies you're having engine issues if you're in shallow water you can deploy them and it'll hold you still so you're not blowing into shore uncontrollably and
1: interesting Yeah, I've always wondered that. I just wanted to talk to somebody about it instead of trying to Google
0: it. Yeah, and they have these devices. Uh, I have not. We don't have them on our boat. I've been with someone who's used them before. Uh, They are drift paddles that go onto the power poles. So when you're out on Erie or any of those big bodies, you can deploy them into the water, and they have like a
1: drift sock. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
0: And they keep you much straighter from... It, it depends. I don't know. I, we didn't use them that much that day, but I've heard different things. Some, But they do slow you down a lot. I know Yeah. That. Yeah, my buddy so, Paul Schirmer... if you're only going 50, then what's it matter? If you're trying to go 73, then, yeah, they're going to slow you down a lot.
1: But Well, my buddy Paul Schirmer and uh, Matt Yablonski, they're both uh, huge advocates of using drift socks. And, like, because... If you go back to the earlier part of the conversation out on Erie, if you're riding waves, yeah. um, you know, I just find that bass don't, like, if you're drifting, if your drift speed is more than a mile an hour, the catch rates just drop off precipitously. Yeah. They fucking drop right off. Um, but if, you're, if you can keep it at a mile an hour or less and as you're drifting in the waves, you'll hammer So if you, uh, the only way that you can, I can kind of do that without a drift sock is you have to use, I turn perpendicular to the the waves and just kind of ride the waves and then use my trolling motor and keep it on a set speed. That's going to keep me level with riding those things. And basically you just kind of keep coasting. But if you had a drift sock, you could create more drag yeah and then you would slow way down and you'd probably catch far more fish. And so, even with in, into bass fishing, because
0: I, I've i used a drift sock in the past, and I went many years without using one, and then on uh, a podcast, I be, actually it was, it was a podcast with Joe Fonzie and Smallmouth Crush, uh, he mentioned a drift sock, and I was like, huh, I got my tournament coming up on Erie, I'm going to be out there all week, I may as well give it a shot, and... None of the days were especially rough, but on some of the higher wind days, like deploying it, like, so yet again, I don't have spot lock on my trolling motor. So if I'm scanning and trying to find rocks and I'm trying to fish around those rocks and stay in an area for a bit, the drift sock helps slow you down a lot on those windy days. So like just kind of a counterpoint, like Ryan was saying about going at least a certain speed, sometimes depending on the situation if you're not trying to cover water uh during a tournament for example you have a specific rock pile you want to stick on and you don't have spot lock then that's a good way that I found at least this uh fall to try and stick in an area but also even just especially on on the rougher days it it makes on a bass boat especially cuz you're more level with the water it makes it way more stable it feels uh and I know it's just safe, can be much safer overall because you're, it's going to help keep you upright and. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of huge benefits to it. So everyone should probably have one in their boat regardless if they're going to, uh, utilize it all the time because there's a lot of benefits to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to experiment with them over the summertime when there's. Yeah. I've only used days. one
0: because some people do two up to three, yeah. like depending. Hmm. Yeah, they're interesting things for sure. I haven't done a ton of research, but we just had one, and I decided I'm gonna use it because I know they make different
1: sizes per boat size, all that. So, I've learned something new today, man. You know, I've I've uh, if I'm perfectly honest, I've looked at some of the you know your club colleagues with you and yourself included with your power poles, and just thought like, dude. I, I mean I get it I guess you know if like if that's if that's what you got to have like if that's part of, if that's like the uh you know the I don't know like that that's your symbol that you're in the club type of thing you know like I so like, no that, but it, that was the thought but you know I am I'm, I'm just being honest man like no 100% that, that was 100%. my cuz what I didn't know is that you guys push 2 hours around but, but the the, the, the you are I guess what I'm saying is, is that it so because that is the format. I totally get why you guys have the crafts you do. I totally get why they're yeah. it out the, the way they're. So you know that was my initial judgment, but to me, when I think about that though, I wonder like. Well, I guess I'm thankful that you travel, or, like, your club moves around, and you don't strictly pound the region, because, or, not the region, but, like, pound Erie in the upper all the time, or, and lower, like, you guys move around, and then you hit other lakes, too, which is good, Um, but, yeah, I don't know, I just assume, I I, I guess it's a shame that, uh, where you all actually live, the craft that you own doesn't it not, lend yeah. itself to it. But as long as you travel away from this place, then your craft is optimized. That's kind so, of a shame.
0: In a way, um I will definitely say like, having a 20 plus foot bass boat is, I mean... Not obviously like you can still not get into as much as you could with those, you know the warrior or those boats, but but you can get into you some can shit. get into yeah. some shit. So, uh, oh, it, you know, how much? How much are those boats? It depends, like on, on what you want to do. Like you can get them used, you know, or yeah, something let, like brand new. If you yeah. wanted to get like, I, I would safely say a hundred thousand yeah. dollars if you want like a good setup. Yeah. Um. And just back to the power poles again, like the one guy that I fished with up on Champlain for the one tournament, uh, he had a super tricked out ranger and no power poles. And I'm like, you don't have power poles? Like what? Like you have all this expensive, like six graphs or uh, five graphs and all this shit. Like what? And he's like, well, I never used to use them and we caught fish. So that's what I do now (laughs) or something like that. And I'm like, did you have those graphs? I didn't argue with him. Yeah. But And we fished grass a lot, um, and, I mean, it wasn't an especially windy day, but I think another one of his points was something along the lines of if, like, the weather does not allow me to do that, I'm not going to do it sort of thing versus yeah. most bass guys are a lot. He, he fishes Champlain a lot, though, so, like, you have the option there. If he were fishing potentially more just... Canisius, Honey Eye, Chautauqua, like lakes similar to that, he probably would want power poles because you don't have necessarily that option to be like, okay, I'm going to go randomly switch to smallmouth in a different section of the lake. What
1: I've I've definitely learned, or what I've learned from this conversation about just your platform versus, you know, what most charter captains run as a platform around here is that... There's a lot of versatility in the platform that you have. The way that it's kitted out will allow you to to fish a a, a ton of different type of water, um, especially if you you go away from here. Um, but it's interesting because the Luns and the IllumaCrafts and you know Warrior, they're. They're northern-based companies. Yeah. So what they're building in mind is, like, you know, like, rocks, larger waves, bigger bodies of water. So, like, think here in Canada and, like, north, like, Canadian yeah. Shield kind of stuff. You know, where, like, you want an aluminum hull, that, you know, just in case you get into rocks. And you want a, a deep bee in case you get into waves. You know, you're not really there isn't a, a ton of need for power poles. I mean, there's lots of water up in Canada where you could get into uh, where you're pitching to pads and stuff like yeah. that, but you're, but and it's still like really dark tannic water and it's, it's pretty deep by then. Like you're not like actively working weed beds all the yeah,
0: time. Yeah. And you know? e- even most of those guys up there, they are running those, deeper V style boats yeah. even in a lot of those <clears throat> like I don't think like lakes so it's it's uh, and like uh, even being from here like I, I've always kind of viewed that as like a Canadian style yeah. of fishing is like using the deep V's and like you know they've got a lot of little niche things that they do but differently than here in the U.S. Interesting well I yep. learned some stuff man same I, here for sure always
1: I hope everybody listened and learned some stuff too and uh yeah, as we, we keep doing these, you know, give us feedback and let us know what you're thinking. We're going to be consistent about it. Yeah, and if
0: you want to follow me on Instagram, at uh, JD underscore Outdoors 1773. And then you can follow Ryan.
1: At Dog Fly.
0: All right, you know where to reach us. Have a great one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you guys.